0: Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast, I'm Rhett Bartlett. This podcast is about Tigerland history, the history of the Richmond Football Club, the greatest club in the world. And each podcast, I'll be uh, bringing you some of the interviews I've conducted with former players, former officials of the club. So in a sense, it'll become an oral history of what it was like to be at Tigerland. And the first podcast episode focuses on Paddy Ganae.
1: That's where you have questions, I suppose.
0: Oh, you, yeah. yeah, I do, actually. Paddy Hi. Ganae, thank you for your time. Thank you for taking the time to have a chat. No, um, that's fine. What? you may not be aware of this, but you're the oldest live-in Richmond Premiership player. Oh, you're kidding. No, I'm serious. There's no one alive from the 1943 Premiership. Right. And it's probably fair to say, in 1967, when you played in that premiership, the only yeah. other man who would have been older than you would have been Freddie Swift.
1: Yes, and it, of course Crowley didn't play in it because of the suspension.
0: That's right. Yes. So
1: yeah, I was just thinking of the other Roger Dean. I thought we were all about the same age. Roger Dean, F- Freddie. Oh, obviously, you've, um, you've researched it, but uh, I just wasn't aware of that.
0: It has been a a long time since '67. How old were you around about 1967? Do you recall in that premiership?
1: Um, I was 28, I think.
0: Yeah. And you had been through, I mean, some of the worst years of the Richmond Football Club, hadn't you? Oh,
1: well, at the early stages of my career, um, about the... Third year, yeah. I think it was not. Look, I'm not sure of this. About 1960, yeah. we were wooden Spurners
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, we're quite hopeless, really. What,
0: what 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 was it that made us such a poor team? Do you do you recall?
1: Well, obviously, didn't have the talent. Yeah. Um. And the the Richmond side. I mean, following it as a teenager, as I did, or even younger, all the way through. Um. I mean, they had a fair side in the early 50s, mm. like 52, 3, 4, 5, maybe. Um, yeah, they had Roy you Wright. Know
0: yeah, Des Roy Wright.
1: Oh, well, you, yeah, to take the words out of the mouth. You know, Roy Wright won two Brownlow medals in that year, and he was just an unbelievable player. Yeah. But they had other very good players like Jack O'Rourke at full forward. and uh, Billy Wilson, a fabulous rover. Mm. Um Ray Poulter at Centre Ford, Moxie Fraser he, he was just unbelievable You know, when he wasn't suspended <laughs> was, he, was, <laughs> he
0: as, was he as Fiery as they said he was?
1: Oh oh, yeah <laughs> oh, he, he was just um, And funny thing, my father Coached him um, In the early 40s When he coached the tours For a couple of years And Moxie was a very, just a young boy At no stage And he used to come to our place Right, you know, um, that was that in the wartime years, you
0: know.
1: Yep. But um, oh, he was a fabulous footballer. Like when he played well, he was just brilliant.
0: Off the field, was he? You know, when you saw him at your at your house, off the field, was he a quiet person?
1: Oh, absolutely. He was the opposite, a- and very likable. Oh, really? One of those real likable characters. But, you know, he bordered it on. <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but he really, with his life, he bordered it on being almost underworld. You know. Yeah. And a lot of his uh, mates and everything were
0: sort of that, that ilk. Well, yeah, you know the, the crowd that he mixed with, in a sense, wasn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. absolutely,
0: yeah. The um, so you, you're right. At that stage, Richmond had quite a strong team, and then, you, you, but you're exactly right. In the early sixties, you know, we, we hit rock bottom, and in in one particular match in 1962, we didn't actually kick a goal against St Kilda. Oh,
1: look! I remember the I remember the game vividly. Yeah. This would have been before your father started to play. He might have been in the... Yeah, it was. He mightn't have even been in the fourth since 62.
0: What do you remember about the game?
1: Someone asked me about that recently. I just forget who it was. And uh, one of the reasons is whoever it was rang me mm. and said, do you remember a game at St Kilda and he mentioned the year? and I said, well, off the top of my head, I don't know unless you're referring to a game where we didn't score a goal. it was oh, I remember it was North goals, eight points.
0: It was a windy day, was it?
1: No, no it wasn't. Oh, was I said, it wasn't. This is the funny part about it. This is a, uh, rather ironical. I said the, the funny part about it, I said it was a genuine winter's day. Yeah. Uh, clear skies. it was cold. Right. But no rain, no wind. Well, I mean, it was a really good day for footy, and we never scored a goal. It was just quite amazing. And whoever it was said, Well, do you remember anything about the detail of the game? I said, No, only the score. Yeah. I, I said, I, I remember St Kilda kicked 10 or 12 goals or something, and we were north goals, eight. And um, I said, <laughs> The only thing I can remember, um, Desi Rowe was coached mm. <coughs> at the time. And there was a, he really appealed to us at three quarter time. to God's sake, you know, get a score on the board. We can't, because I forget what was, it might have been 05 or 06 or something at three quarter time. And there's this great effort to at least put a goal on the scoreboard. Mm. And I can recall it was only about five minutes to go and I was down in the forward pocket at that stage. And then someone kicked up this beautiful kick that was going to land right in the middle of the goal square, and I got this beautiful run, and just as about I took off and I could see my name, you know the name on the ball. I was about to grinch it, uh, grab it in a pack, and the next minute I got axed from where I don't know. And um, I got up and looked around. And it was Michael Patterson oh. he, he Not only knocked me he, he split the pack He must have had a better run at it And he just knocked us rotten And I said to him What in the hell are you doing I said um, I just thought they'll have that ball in my hand I, He said you wouldn't have kicked it From that distance anyhow <laughs> It would have been about 5 metres out And that's, uh, that Is about the only Incident, you know, like, incident mm. In the whole game that I can clearly remember other than the fact that, you know, like you said, it was it a wet day or a windy day? Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was quite a good day.
0: It's interesting that you mention about your your kicking. I, I never saw you play, but I've seen footage. For those who never saw you play, Paddy, can you describe what were you like as a player, both your good points and your maybe your bad points?
1: Oh... Probably didn't have any good
0: points no I, I think it's you know, I think everyone has certainly good points what what was your strengths as a play you were you strong you flew for the marks you broke the box
1: well, Brett, you'd understand this but that the in those early days like I started in 58 mm. and and the early 60s I mean the, the game was it, well, I mean the game was entirely different to what we <laughs> see today
2: yeah
1: entirely different it was the complete uh, Converse of it, almost. I mean, they used to call it the prop and cop game. Mm. Players never ran out of their basic areas. You know, whatever position they were in. If you're a half back flanker, you just operated in that general area and you minded your man. I mean, if you took a mark, you went back behind your mark, <laughs> and there was no people. There was no players running past for a handball yep. or anything like that. And then you worked out. You'd kick it up to, and then the next group of players would fly for the mark. And would someone had either marked it or hit the deck, and the crummers had come in, and I mean, and th- I mean that's the do- game the way it was played. And um, <clears throat> I mean, in positions where I played, which were mainly a few guys in the ruck in the first year, a few years, and and then hmm. to centre half forward. I mean, all you really had to do, your role, was to mark the ball or contest it hard, um, and you let the When it hit the deck, Mm. the ground staff sort of moved in. I mean, someone like your father would be Mm. running past, and he'd pick up the crumb, and the bigger players sort of didn't get involved in that then. You know, I mean, you might have found yourself in that situation where you had to be involved, Mm. but it wasn't the sort of the plan.
2: Mm
1: So, I mean, I had to sort of rely on, um, you know, high marking. Yeah. Because um, you never got the deliveries like they give players <laughs> today where, where they hit you on the chest with, you know, the uh, the, uh, the accurate disposals.
0: Did, were, you mean, a, were, really, you eh?
1: were you a strong mark overhead?
0: Were you a strong mark overhead? Well,
1: I, I was considered to be, but, you know, yeah. I'm not saying it was um, anything... Out of the ordinary It was just the role That the bigger blokes Played in those days. You know Ruckman Or key position Like you know Centre half back Centre half forward Full forward um, And the other thing Was um, The kicking Well the kicking It was always Encouraged To kick long
2: mm-hmm.
1: As long as you Could Well I um I was fairly capable of kicking long distances but if if a set of goalposts were in front of me it wasn't terribly accurate. I,
0: <laughs> I see. Were you uh what what style of kick would you use?
1: Well, when we first started off, Rhett, I mean it was um quite normal to, uh, provided um um you were elected to do it, you could kick a lot there were a lot of players kick drop kicks. Mm-hmm. Now, not on the run. I mean, they were very difficult to negotiate as you know, the balance and the timing if you were running with it. Um, The only player I know that consistently could kick beautiful drop kicks on the run and running fast was Billy Barrett. Mm, Oh, Billy, he was a beautiful kick on the run, like a drop kick, but they were just hard to to do. Mm. But but if you were like, say, Freddie Swift, Mm -hmm. and you were just kicking out from the goal square... And you had no one chasing you, or you had no one in front of you. You just you could just let go with one. I mean, he landed in the centre of the ground almost every time because yeah. I mean his timing was perfect, you know. Yeah. Or, or, or even if um, we, you had players that uh, actually kicked drop kicks for goal, for instance, <laughs> fr- from a stand, you yeah. know, from taking a mark. Yeah. You just had to make sure it went over the man on the mark, and uh, but of course that died out because of the. Um, Oh, there was a greater um, like the chance of error. Yeah, was too great. Right. So that went out, and the drop punt then became very popular. But back in those days, of course, the uh, torpedo punt was um, Mm. used profusely. You know, Mm. mainly for journeys to kick long journeys. Yeah. If you can get onto a good torpedo, as I don't know if you played yourself as well, you did as a youngster. Yeah. Um, I, remember, I remember your father telling stories down at the club at times when you must have been playing with the junior side out there. <laughs> your concentration must have been too because you're preoccupied doing other things out on the ground. <laughs> That's
0: right, yeah.
1: Or whatever he was referring to. Yeah,
0: throwing mud or something like that, yeah.
1: Oh, I don't know what it was, yeah. but, you know, you were only a small Latin boy there, yeah. you know, what he was talking about. But, um, oh, yeah, the, the drop hunt was... Um, used profusely, and if you could sort of, you know, contact, make good contact with your boot, I mean, they'd go forever. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I can only assume, Paddy, that you barracked for Richmond as a child because of your tremendous father and uh, the fact that he played for Richmond?
1: Well, I was born in Richmond, uh, oh, Red, and, right. you know, the first 30 years of my life was there, and of course, my father being an ex-footballer and uh, a second uncle who was treasurer of the footy club for many years, like back in the 30s and 40s. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jack Smith, his name, J.J. Smith. He was so,
0: the so, so J.J. Smith was your, sorry, your uncle, did you say?
1: Yeah, second. Well, he's my mother's direct uncle. Oh, right. And, yeah, and, um, you know, I mean, not only that, I mean, growing up as a kid in Richmond, um, um particularly in my early teenage years. I mean, I was maybe with uh, Jack Dyer's son, Jackie, and his daughter, Jill. We're all the same age, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, well, John, so, yeah, Jackie's Jackie's still around, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. He, um, you know, I was often in their home in Docker Street. Uh, what street a, did you live in, Paddy? Well, we lived in a few streets. Yep. My father kept shifting us. Um, in my early days, I was in Edinburgh Street, and then we went to um Neptune Street. Yep. And the last address in Richmond was in Coppin Street.
0: And did, did he move the family around was it because of work as well? Was that it? Oh that
1: no, no. I just uh well it got a, the family got a bit bigger. We were I was the first of six kids, you know. Oh, and, you really? Wow. Yeah. And um we um we just moved. Can we we used to joke about it he he wouldn't pay the rent, so we went to another house. <laughs> But can, I, the,
0: can I assume that you you didn't see your father play?
1: Oh, I wouldn't have remembered any. I mean, he, he finished at the end of 43 Yeah Well, I would have been uh, four And I can't remember him playing
0: Well, I am interested But I can no. remember
1: foot, his foot, yeah, Friends of his and footballers coming to our place Oh, really? Yeah hey,
0: who, who do you recall sort of dropping by? Any, any names come to mind?
1: Well, Donnie Fraser was there <laughs> Um uh Bill Morris
0: Paleface Yeah, Paleface
1: Yeah, exactly Yeah, and he had also He had a shop You know, like a milk bar in In Swan Street, Richmond Right Plus, you know, anywhere And Jack, of course, had the um, Jack Dyer He had the Tiger Milk Bar in Church Street Yep And uh, and then a little bit later on I mean, you sort of You know, you sort of migrated to these places Because they were ex-footballers Yeah Or current footballers Because when when Tommy um, opened the shop in Bridge Road,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, he had a milk bar, as you know, right opposite the National Theatre. Well, all the bloody teenagers and the larrikins around Richmond, because he had the jukebox and everything in the shop. <laughs> we just lived in the place, you know. Did you
0: have a Did you have a favourite uh, sweet or lolly you like to purchase from there?
1: Lolly, ice cream. All I remember. Oh, I remember about Tommy. He used to make these. Um, in in the uh, fridge that he'd scoop into, he made these big aluminium canisters, they were, I think they might have had ice cream in them at some stage, but he had a heap of them, and he used to make this pineapple crush himself. Right. With chips of ice and everything in it, and he just ladle it out into these big tall glasses, and it was the most, among us kids, you know, we would say, 14, 15. Yeah. Um, we used to love it. He, he would have made a fortune out of us, you know. Yeah, yeah. I forget how much they were, thruppence or something. But, um,
0: Did your father ever talk about his career too? Not much. Not,
1: no, not much
0: really, really? He wasn't the person to reminisce and bring out the scrapbooks no, and talk no. about...
1: Oh, no, he, he didn't even have a scrapbook. Right. We picked it up, bits and pieces, about him from other places. Yeah. Um, no, he, he didn't really.
2: Um, was I, he, remember,
1: he was... I remember him taking me out to Carlton one day. Richmond played Carlton at Princess Park. I don't know how old I was. I might have been 11 or 12 or something. And we ran into probably one of the greatest players the league's known, certainly at that time, was Laurie Nash,
2: yeah.
1: who you know, mm. South Melbourne. Jack Dyer often says he was the greatest player he's seen. Mm. He often said that about Laurie Nash. He could do anything, you know. And um, I remember Laurie Nash, we met Laurie... In front of the grandstand And he was working for um, well, The ABC or something at the time Yeah. Just doing a report for The uh, ABC Anyhow you know, He he introduced me to Laurie Before the game, just standing there And Laurie said to me Something like yours He said, did you ever see your father play sir?'" I said, no I would have been to young." Uh, by Jesus, he said he was a good player. And I said, oh, is that a fact? I said, oh, I've heard that from other, you know, elderly people of Richmond. He Mm. was a very good player. Oh, he said, I'll say he was good. He said, I always had a lot of trouble with him. He said, you know, one day he kept me down to eight, (laughs) meaning eight goals. (laughs) 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 Laughed his head off, you know.
0: Well, uh, did did, did Danny have a sense of humour as well? Oh yeah, You had a great yeah. sense of humour.
1: Yeah.
0: What uh, was um? Sorry. There
1: was. A, I'll tell you another the story that was related at my father's funeral. He was he was buried from Saint Ignatius in Lichmond, you know. Sure. And there was a fairly big crowd there, and they had the tiger skin and everything for him. But <clears throat> um, one of the stories was related by. Uh, Father Gerald Cudmore, mm. who did the service for us, who was an irate Richmond supporter, just in, you know, just a demented Richmond supporter. And he, he, he was a, a deacon in the Catholic Church at the time, he had a bit of rank. Anyhow, he, I spoke to him, I went to school with him, although he was about six or seven years older than I was. Mm. Um, but he, he said, oh, I would love to do the service for any Father, anyhow, which he did. But he told this story. About a game uh, out at Carlton one day at Prince's Park mm. that I was playing in, mm-hmm. and he was there with all his mates from Richmond. Mm. Now these mates uh, Rhett, were rather—how would I describe them? They were rather heavy sort yeah. of people, nasty, you know. Mm. But they were good buddies, you know. But they was tough. They were, you know, they were feared. A lot of people I just heard that in talk Mm. And he he was with a mob of them And they're in the outer At Richmond At the Carlton Yes, just standing in the terraces there And probably drinking their beer (laughs) And the story goes That um, there was a Richmond supporter About half a dozen steps down from them And right through the game He was giving me buggering he said, wouldn't matter what you did, whether you did something good or bad, he got stuck in you, you know, rubbishing you're bloody useless, you're a get-off-the-ground gun, you know, all of that stuff. And uh, and he was quite noble about it. Anyhow, one of these blokes, his name was Bull Eddie, who was as tough as they come, you know. He said, Danny, I don't know how you're standing for this. He said, it's, it's starting to get on my goat. He said, if you don't go down and say something to him or shut him up, I'll go down and do it. <laughs> so he said, oh, I'll let him go just to see for a few minutes. Anyhow, I was involved in a bit of play somewhere on the ground. I don't know what it was doing. And he started again. Well, it, This had gone on for well over half a game. So they said, well, gone. on. Anyhow, my father pushes his way down through the crowd to either job him... Or shut him up altogether, that's what they meant, just bash him, you know. Mm. And he he said, I'm about one step from getting him, and he's abusing you. And he said, and he finished off by saying, and furthermore, Ghanaine, you'll never be half as good as your old man. (laughs) And here he was, one arm's length away. Well, my father stopped, he walked back to them, he said, that bike's not a bad (laughs) judge. (laughs) It brought the church down.
0: That's a tremendous story.
1: Just about that, he said, further Morgan, you'll never be half as good as your old man.
0: And it's interesting, isn't it? Because Danny played in that time where he had a few other larrikins around in the team too. You know, Dyer was a bit of a larrikin as well.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: So they would have rubbed...
1: Different times though, right? Oh,
0: sorry, of course. And they would have rubbed off on each other, you know, hanging around the club and stuff like that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, they've come out of the, the... yeah, my father said when he first came down from Bungaree, I mean, it was at the tail end of the Depression yeah. at the time, and he said, w- we, w- they got three pounds a match. <clears throat> he said, <clears throat> and that was a weekly wage.
0: Yeah.
1: He said, we played football to sort of stay alive in, in those early years. Yeah. Wouldn't believe it,
0: would you? Uh, you know, yeah, you're right, out of the Depression, World War II, it was.
1: Yeah, well, that followed not long after.
0: Yeah, so it was a, a difficult time for them, wasn't it, just to sort of carry on and, and
1: Oh, well, it must have been terribly tough.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, there was one story about my father that he, he tells that when he was recruited from... Um, he was a very good player in the Ballarat League, you know, playing for Bungaree. Yeah. And obviously the talent scouts must have seen him. He got him to sign or, you know, to come to Richmond. Mm. And... He'd never been to the city before in his life. You know, he lived in Bungaree on a spud farm, and um, they just dug spuds and, and milked cows.
2: Yeah.
1: And he did that all his life. Well, he was about twenty or twenty-one when he came down, and he might have been you know, about to turn twenty-one. Anyhow, it was the end of nineteen thirty-three, so it was. Uh, it was. I suppose I don't know. He wouldn't. Have, they wouldn't have had a telephone, mm. and there wouldn't have been a lot of cars that people drove in. But anyhow, it was organised that he had to come down on a given day. Well, he caught the train at Ballarat, and he went through Spencer Street Railway Station, where he got off the train, mm. and he didn't have any idea from the station where Richmond was, so he had to ask someone on the on the corner there somewhere. How do I get to Richmond? And someone said, well, I think in those days, Rhett, there were cable trams
2: right. going
1: down there. I think they'd started by then.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the, 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 obviously at the top end of Plender Street, they said, look, if you follow the street there where I'm pointing, just as far as you can go, I mean, just keep on it all the way, he said, you'll get to Richmond. And with a suitcase that he had, he walked all the way to Richmond, there was nothing there to meet him. I mean, I'm not saying it was just because it was his, it just wasn't done in those days. Of course. He got off the station and and walked all the way till he got to Bridge Road, Richmond, When he got to the town hall. And then he he had some contact where he was to go, and, I mean, that was his first day.
0: Yeah, extraordinary. In
1: his career. So you can imagine how the times were, you
0: know. Uh, But there there was that real sense of... um you know that's a, that's a great example of um, just the matureness, too of the person. You know, to go all the way down there by himself. You know, at that age and yeah. just find his way to to you know his destination. You know, for this employment, really. That's right. Mm. So when he when he came to Richmond, did he did he have a a job on the side as well during his playing time? Do we know? Well,
1: um, for my earliest days as this kid I would have been say four or five. Yeah, he. Um, and the cable trams had stopped then, but they were now the, the electric trams as we know them. He was a he was a tram driver from yeah. the, the, based at the Hawthorne depot. Was he really? And for many many years, yeah. Um, Gee. And uh, as we were growing up, and you know, there were more kids came along, he always seemed to have a second job somewhere apart from the main job. He had a sort of a part time job where it was. Yeah. Working, uh, pulling beer in a hotel like, late or in the weekends and, or, um, or he had a milk round at one stage. I mean, me and my brother used to go with him on a Friday night. You know, we were at school at the time. Yeah. We'd go down and, um, down to the dairy and saddle up the, uh, the milk cart and the horse. And, uh, yeah. but the, the milk round only took about three hours, you know, yeah. if, if he, if he started at say three or four o'clock. It was all over at seven, you
2: mm.
1: know. But we helped him on... Uh, they were Well, we thought it was great fun. Um, but he always seemed to have a second job, you know.
0: Yeah. And and the people that he mixed with, you were saying before, Jack Dyer, for instance, as a kid, were you aware of, you know, the, the magnitude that people held Jack Dyer in?
1: Oh, yeah, but <laughs> I did, but mainly through my mother.
0: You well, know, because my mother
1: knew... <clears throat> like as a young girl going with my father, and you know, the, the, it was a very, great social club, Richmond. So she she, she knew Sybil Dyer ex- exceptionally well, you yep, know,
2: yep, and yep.
1: Georgie Smeaton's wife Myrtle. And she talks about the the women, like the wives of these players, um, where you'd, you'd be pushing the, uh, the we'd be pushing the prams with our babies up Bridge Road, and you know, doing our shopping together, and then going in somewhere to someone's house for a, a, a cigarette and a cup of tea, you
2: know. Mm, yeah. L- I
1: heard lots of stories about that, but my mother was a better storyteller than my father.
2: Oh, really?
1: Oh, much, you know. She had a bit of Irish in her, and <laughs> uh, and she had a great ability to exaggerate and glamour. I mean, I mean Jack Dye was just something else, you know, like a, a rock star to, to my mother, you know. And But she knew him and... and and of course, Jack's mother lived about 200 meters from our place, and we often used to see Jack walking down Edinburgh Street into Fraser Street in his suit and his Gladstone bag off to see his mother, and he'd stop at our front gate and just talk to us and you know he was he was just like an uncle really it yeah. was, um
0: and he, and he had that he had an amazing following of fans, didn't he just kids. Oh, he did he was larger than life in a sense.
1: Oh, he was. And look, he was so, I mean, he, he just lied the, um, the sort of the Captain Blood image that, he's, that was promoted so much about him, you yeah. know. Oh, he helped to promote himself, I suppose. In fact, there's a funny thing there, uh, Rhett. I was, we were watching World of Sport, um, with, with my father and a few in the room, or so, you know, years later, say in the early 60s, because yeah. everyone in, Money, Victoria. I think wouldn't miss World of Sport of a Sunday. Probably remember yourself, you know. Back in those oh, and this is in the old black and white days. And anyhow, Jack comes on with Lou, you know, on the panel. They they sort of they go to each other from one sat at one end of the panel, and Jack at the other. You know, they used to have shots at each other over Collingwood and Richmond and all that sort of crap. And of course, Jack was always promoted in as the Captain Blood image, always. Mm. And um, and then he had that sort of column in the truth, you know. And and he was on this day, and they were going on about, you know, how many bloody bones he'd broken and all that sort of thing, none were his own. Um, he'd, he'd broken 186 bones or something in his career, and none were his own. <laughs> well, anyhow, my father made a remark Sort of audibly so that we could hear And I thought gee, gee, That sounds as though he was crook on Jack That I'm not aware of So I said to him after the game Will you, you, Do you a blue with Jack or something? crook on him? No, why? Well I said this, that remark you made about him When he was on and you know what they were talking about He said well I'll tell you what I'm crook on And Jack's helped to promote this He said all we hear about him is, you know, his swashbuckling, um, vigorous, you know, Captain Blood image type thing. He said, that's all we hear about him. Mm. He said, I played with Jack for 10 years. He said, you wouldn't have found a better footballer. He said, no one thought. He said, he was the fastest big man in the league. Mm. He said, unbelievable running speed. He said, he was a magnificent mark. He was a beautiful kick. He said he had all the skills. I think he won six best and fairest at Richmond. He Mm. said, you don't hear about that. All you hear about is this bloody Captain Blood image, you know. and He was annoyed that Jack wasn't promoted for the fantastic skills that he had as a footballer.
0: Yes, yes. As
1: well as the other. But Mm. he said, you never hear about that side of him. He said, and it, and it really annoys me because he said he was a mighty footballer.
0: Yeah, it's as though the, the you know, what they built Dyer up for took over what, you know, he was genuinely like as a player, you know, the sort of the persona he had, wasn't it?
1: Well, well yes, it, it, I mean, the persona he's got, Brett, as you say, it was the Captain Blood persona.
0: Yeah.
1: Not the highly talented and highly mm. skilled uh, player that my father mm. said he was, you know. Yeah. And he said, I'm just annoyed that he's, he's not known for what he really was, mm. you know, in terms of his ability and his skill.
0: And and Dyer had a, a, a great gift of the gab, didn't he? He had the ability to you know, the the coin of phrase, the
1: Oh yeah <laughs> he he had a wonderful ability to murder the Queen's English. <laughs>
0: That's right, and I think sometimes he may may have deliberately done that too, just to push that a bit more, but...
1: Well, he probably did. Um, I think it was promoted him, and certainly Brian Hansen would have helped him with the uh, articles in The Truth, you know, the diarrhoea, as it was called. that's right. Um, I thought he helped him, but I think subconsciously sometimes the wrong word came out, you know.